Good morning. Oh, that's good. It's full. Welcome back. Uh, let's pray, shall we? Uh, Father God, we will indeed feast in the house of Zion because you are our great God and because you love us. We thank you, Lord, uh, the creator of all things. You flung the stars into the sky. You created the heavens. You created this earth. Lord, you um, endowed it with beauty. You've given us a creation that sings out and reflects you. If we will simply open our eyes uh, to see it, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we have the privilege of gathering together as your children, as brothers and sisters in your son, Jesus Christ, to worship you, to praise you, to sing uh, of your glory, to sing of our future glory. Father, we thank you for the work that your son, Jesus, did on the cross. Thank you for purchasing our salvation, for saving our lives, for calling us yours. Father, be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I really do mean that. Welcome back. I hope everybody had a, a joyful, um, hopefully restful vacation and Christmas. Um, different times, different ways, different messages sort of ring true to us. And um, sometimes a, a new message is that of nuance. Um, and that happened a little bit for me over this Christmas break. Um, God sort of showed me something that I haven't focused on much in the past. <clears throat> and it really is a, a, a small twist on a, a really common, I think, biblical truth and reality. If you look at the scope of biblical history, if you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, Jonah, Samson, Ruth, Rahab, Peter, Paul. When you look at those people and you, you look through scripture and you read their stories, you see how, how their lives unfolded. We see very clearly and we hear a message that comes very loudly that God can use deeply flawed people for his divine purposes, right? I'm sure everyone has heard that, that God can use us despite our flaws and our sins. That God can use, and now let's get a little more personal, that God can use you. And that God can actually use me. And that's a, that's a truth that um, I, I think if we were to raise our hands, every person in this room from a sort of scriptural theological standpoint would, would agree with, right? Can, can God use you? Of course he can. He's God. But there's a slight twist on this, right? It's not just that God can use you. Scripture posits that God wants to use you and that God wants to use me. Now hear that again. God can use each and every one of us, but God wants to use you. And the difference between can and want is the difference between ability and desire. I know that God has the ability to use me. I don't doubt that for a second. But the idea that God wants to use me, now we're in a whole different frame of reference. But that's what the scripture teaches. We're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Um, that's a theme that we're going to be exploring uh, over the rest of this semester and one that, that's going to come to the, the front a fair bit. But for today, I'd just like you to hear that maybe for the first time in a long time. God can use you, 
But God wants to use you. He desires to use you personally to sing and proclaim his glory in a broken, fallen world. Well, part of the way we get to do that is um, by worshiping together, brothers and sisters, praising um, our God. So at the beginning of the semester, I thought it would be good to go back over and sort of um, refresh what is chapel? Why are we here? Uh, what's going to be happening over the course of this semester in chapel? And then I have sort of a, um, an exhortation, if you will. So the purpose of chapel, um, we have a, an actual purpose statement, um, but it boils down to this, really, that chapel is a time for us to come together as a community, a Covenant College community, to worship our living God, to worship him corporately in this time and in this space. And this communal worship, where the word of God is going to be made central, unifies the community in a special way as we encounter Jesus Christ together. And that's where I'd like to just sit for one second. When we come into this space together, we know that we're not going to our, our church. We're not going to corporate Sunday morning worship. But we are coming together as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And when we hear his word preached, we hear his word read, when we sing his praises, when we pray together, we encounter the risen Christ. It's not esoteric. It's not something other. The truest, deepest reality is that the living, risen Christ is here with us in our midst. If you were to talk about deepest truth and deepest reality, I can knock on this and tell you this is real. But more real and more true is the fact that the living, risen God is in our midst. That as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, as his children, he indwells us by his Holy Spirit. We are his living temple. That is the truth. That is reality. And we get to come together as brothers and sisters, and we get to experience and encounter Jesus Christ in song, in word, in preaching. We don't want to lose sight of what's happening here. I know it's easy to come in tired. It's easy to come in wanting to sleep. It's easy to come in distracted. And I believe that even in those places, even when you're tired, even when you're distracted, Jesus Christ is there, and you are encountering him. So there is the purpose of chapel. And to sort of uh, fulfill and bring forth that purpose, we invite um, different speakers. We have different things happen in chapel. So I want to give you an overview so that there are no surprises. I feel like sometimes uh, in the semester, you know, day of prayer comes up, and, and no one knew that day of prayer was just around the corner. So I just want to share some of the speakers and some of the things that are going to be happening um, in chapel. We're going to have a number of pastors coming in uh, to preach. Uh, Pastor Bob Flayhart was here um, uh, on Monday, wait, Wednesday, Wednesday, from Oak Mountain Church in Birmingham. Uh, on Martin Luther King Day, uh, Pastor Alton Hardy is going to be coming from Urban Hope Community Church in Fairfield, Alabama. Uh, Pastor Ralph Kelly, who is Jonathan Kelly's dad, is going to be here uh, from First Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, a friend of mine, Pastor Ben Wickner, uh, ben has pl uh, planted a, um, uh, a multi-ethnic church in Washington, D.C. called Cross Community Church. Um, he's going to be here. Will Spokes from Red Mountain Church in Birmingham is going to be here. Then we're also going to have uh, two folks, Mark Bells, who's a retired attorney and a 
relative of many in this area. Uh, I know, I just didn't, yeah. Uh, Dr. Diane Langberg is going to be here later in the semester, who's a psychologist and a specialist in trauma and sexual abuse. Um, and then we're gonna have a number of folks from our covenant community. Um, Isaiah Barnfield is going to be speaking. Christiana Fitzpatrick is going to come. Uh, and then a number of our professors. Uh, Professor Green, Dr. Dr. Davis, Professor Huffines, Dr. Ward, Dr. Broussard, Dr. Bagby, Professor Bagby, President Halverson. And uh, at the end of this year, we will continue to have our tradition of senior testimonies. So uh, four seniors will be speaking in chapel. Uh, we will have two scholarship weekends and one campus preview weekend. And then we're going to have a number of, of special conferences happening. Uh, a new conference this year is called Calling Beyond Covenant, where we're going to explore um, our calling vocationally, primarily, um, as we transition out of college life and into um, the post-college world. Uh, two recent graduates, Ryan Burns and Mary Catherine Keenert, are going to come and speak on Monday. Uh, Henry Kastner, who is the manag managing principal of Sovereign's Capital, is going to be here on Wednesday for the Brock uh, Lecture on Leadership. And Eric Brown and Taylor James from Whiteboard, they're the founders of Whiteboard, which is an interactive design and development company in town. And they are awesome. You guys are going to love uh, that, that whole week. Um, our WIC lectures are going to be uh, given by Rebecca DeYoung, who's a professor of philosophy at Calvin College. Um, our Imago Day conference, I think, is going to be really special this year. James White, who's pastor at Christ Our King Community Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, is going to be with us. Um, and he's a, really, he's a really special person. I think uh, our community is going to be really deeply blessed by him. Uh, academic lecture is going to be Daniel K. Williams, who's a professor of history at the University of West Georgia. And the Kuiper lectures are going to be given by Dr. James Skillen, who's an author, founder of Center for Public Justice, and the dad of one of my closest friends that I live next door to at seminary. Um, awesome family. Okay, so that's, that's a picture. And I, I hope that as you... As you see that, a great deal of prayer and, um, and preparation went into that group of people, um, hoping that they will be able to preach God's word and challenge and exhort and encourage us um, from different aspects and different places within the kingdom of Christ um, to glorify God. A uh, couple of sort of housekeeping details and reminders. Uh, due to fire code, um, everyone in the chapel needs to actually be sitting in a physical seat. Um, can't have people sitting on walls or sitting on stairs. Um, and there usually are available seats, like there almost always are, but I know some people, I don't know, don't want to sit next to people, I don't know. But sit in chairs, that's good. That wasn't like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting to do that to Dr. Drexler for, for a whole semester. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, sometimes people need to leave chapel, and we understand that. If you need to leave chapel for whatever reason, will you please just um, grab Leah, who's always standing out there, and let her know that you're leaving, or grab uh, one of the chapel workers and just tell them that you're leaving so they know what's going on and can either um, give you credit or take your credit away. Uh, attendance policy, we do want to refresh, just a reminder. Um, there are 39 chapels this coming spring semester. 
um, you're attended, you're um, required to attend 31 of the 39. So that means you have eight uh, free chapel periods to rest, sleep, go to the doctor, um, do whatever you need to do. Um, every once in a while, someone will miss over their allotted number of chapel skips. It happens on occasion. Um, and just a reminder what happens, if you miss above and beyond uh, those eight chapels, if you happen to miss between one and five, we'll ask you to listen to chapels online and then write 250 word summaries. Um, if you happen to go between six and 10 over, uh, that 250 word summary jumps to 500 words. And then if you happen to go over 10, which I'm sure none of you will, um, those turn into 1,000 word summaries. Um, don't go there. Uh, one final announcement. Next week, uh, Alexander Jean, who's a professor of higher ed at Azusa, Azusa Pacific, is going to be here. He's going to be doing a couple of lectures. Um, we'd like to invite all staff, faculty, every student, uh, January 19th at 11 o'clock in Sanderson 215. He's going to speak on issues of racial justice, in particularly in higher education. And then there are going to be additional lectures that will be held in the Kirk on January 18th and 19th at 7.30 p.m. There will be light refreshments. Um, all right, so over the break, one of the, one of the things that, that I read that was actually really um, kind of formative and one of the best things I've read on this in a while, Dr. Halverson, Halverson sent me an article um, from First Things, and it's an article written by Joseph Clare, who's an assistant professor of religious studies at George Fox University. Um, and he starts off the article, and here's, here's what he says, and you'll kind of know where I'm going immediately. Please, please hear me. Um, he walked into a church service one night, and he walked in, and there were lights everywhere, and his immediate quick thought was, oh, are we doing like a candlelight service? Like, are there votives? And he realized they're not votives. Everyone was on their phones. Um, and it was in a church service, and he made the, the sort of fantastic, well, no, that's not true. I won't do that. Um, Anyway, uh, he, he saw the, the disconnect there and, and sort of the rational disconnect. Um, and he even, he even commented that uh, during the service, he joined in and checked his email during the sermon at one point. Um, and he says, so much has been written lately about the perils of smartphone use that I'm reluctant to join the chorus. Yet I feel that many Christians, I include myself, have yet to find any healthy forms of resistance to this new cultural habit. Over break, I got this. Um, it's an iPhone 7 Plus. Um, it's like the size of a small child. Um, it's probably smarter than most small children. Um, and the camera is just sick. It's an amazing piece of technology. Um, so when I say what I'm about to say, please hear, um, I'm preaching to myself as well. Um, I, I'm trying to not be ruled by this. I'm trying to be honest about how ruled I already am, and I'm trying to break patterns and tendencies that have developed and that I really honestly, truly um, don't want to define me. Um, but within the context of chapel, it takes on a slightly different um, import. So I'm just going to read a little bit, just a couple things that uh, Professor Clare said. Attention is precious. It's the part of our soul we give to the world around us, the gateway to the self. My experience is what I agree to attend to, said William James. Only those items which I notice shape my mind. 
And if we're not noticing encounters with Christ, it's difficult to be transformed and shaped by those encounters. And then he goes on and he says, attention is the mind's desire. Think about that. Attention is the mind's desire. And I might even argue attention is the heart's desire. It is that part of our soul we give to the world around us. The, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we attend to what we want, what we need, what we find interesting, attractive, and so on. Thus, the problem is less about distraction than about desire. Our dwindling capacity for attention reveals our fractured worlds of desire. Hyper-temporary, dazzled by light and color, summoned by restlessness rather than meaning. Um, new studies are coming out almost daily, it seems, on, on phones and cell phone use. And um, they found that for almost everyone, when you hear the ping on your phone that a new message has come in, dopamine is released in your brain. And that dopamine becomes addictive. And we think there's a benign nature to this. In some ways there is. But there are also things that are truly and deeply impacting us. Our capacity for attention, though, is a matter of Christian conviction and witness. In this age of distraction, and this is who I want to be, right? And he writes this, but this, is, this resonates with my heart. In this age of distraction, I want to learn what it means to embody reverential awareness of others. Attunement to the world in all its glory and boredom and limitations of time and space. In a sense, this is the movement of incarnation, of the word made flesh. Now hear that. Attunement to the world in all its glory and boredom and limitations of time and space. The real world. And that's the world that I want to live in. Um, I've been sober almost well, 25 years now. Um, and when I got sober and got clean, one of, one of the things that became most, uh, most apparent to me and that I hold most dearly to is living in the real world. In all of its pain, in all of its joy, in all of its boredom. But I'm an addict and it's easy for me to want to go here, go here, go here, to put all of that away. But it's not who I want to be. It's not who God calls us to be. I want to live in the real world. I want to be attuned to each and every one of you as brothers and sisters, as creations of our living God. And then he goes on, and I think he hits it here. All of the metaphors central to Christian community, the Pauline body, Augustine's concentric circles, Kuiper's spheres, work on the basis of attention first to what is near, slowly extending to include the wider realms of association. Indeed, on the basis of Matthew 25, ordering our attention and overcoming our addiction to distraction has everything to do with our ability to recognize Christ in one another and to learn what it means to be the body of Christ, a people formed by habits of good attention, giving and exchanging the gifts of attention in a world of distraction. Hear that one more time. Has everything to do with our ability to recognize Christ in one another and to learn what it means to be the body of Christ, a people formed by habits of good, good attention, giving and exchanging the gifts of attention in a world of distraction. I hope that that hits all of us and extends to our lives everywhere. But it is particularly pertinent to our lives in chapel. 
Um, when I came in four years ago, um, we, we made a decision to not have electronics in chapel. And I realized this year that only the seniors, current seniors were here when that shift took place. So three quarters of you didn't see that transition happen. Um, and we are people of habit. I know how tempting it is to pull our phones out, e even just out of habit, out of distraction, right? But it, it impacts us and it impacts others. So I'd like to again um, remind us, please don't use your phones in chapel. We can't force or enforce worship. And that's not our goal or our desire. But what we can do is we can do our best to create an environment where we can encounter Jesus together. Um, we noticed at the end of last semester in particular, uh, phone use has gotten pretty bad in chapel. Um, we've taken quite a few steps backwards. Um, so for the first time, we've never done this before, but I, I hope you'll see this is not a, a punitive action. I gave you the background so you'd understand the motive and the heart behind this. If any Covenant College employee, whether it's faculty, staff, um, student worker, work study, sees you with your phone out during chapel and lets me or Leah or any of the faculty staff know, we're going to take away ch that, that chapel credit for that given day. Um, again, hear that not as punitive, like we want to punish you, but more, it's our genuine heart desire that we don't put ourselves in a position where it's more difficult to encounter and worship Jesus. The reality is that when you pull your phone out, you can and almost always will distract not just yourself, but those around you as well. It's also wildly disrespectful to the speakers that we have coming to share um, from God's word, to share from their experience, to encourage and to exhort us. So uh, that is going to happen. I know some of us may have like just this deep desire to hold our phones, like even when they're not on. The Priesthood Center has um, <laughs> counselors available. Yeah. Uh, what a great privilege that we get to encounter Jesus together, that we get to worship together. I think this is going to be an awesome semester. Um, if you would, let's stand, sing the doxology, and go forth in praise. Oh, man, I can't sing. <laughs> praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here Give attention to one another.